Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Moonbase, Hope Colony. The year is 4067. Our ancestors were sent here to preserve mankind in the face of the devastation on Earth. Unbeknownst to us, Earth survived. We can never go home to that atmosphere and survive it. We are the next iteration of mankind's future. Listen to our stories as we continue to adapt to this harsh environment. The Kyleson Chronicles legacy can continue through our struggles here in space, our home. You are listening to episode two of Moonbase, Hope Colony, Tides of Change, written by Tracy Babian and read by Dave Carter, a voiceover artist. Chapter 2 The date is November 8th, 4067. As I sit at my computer, it displays the 2028 Moonbase establishment records so I can go back over them. The records are from NASA and the Artemis programs when they were launched. I finally decided to use the AI interface to continue with the report. Computer, please read all the data on this subject. Do not leave anything out. I'm looking for something, but I won't know what it is until it hits me in the face, I'm afraid. There's just something off by all this. I'm probably just chasing shadows. The computer reports in an audible voice. August 2nd, 2022. Artemis was NASA's new lunar exploration program, which included sending the first woman and the next man to the moon. Through the Artemis program, NASA used new technology to study the moon in new and better ways and prepare for human missions to Mars. I realize the computer has extrapolated an important piece. I hurriedly interjected. Wait, wait, do you mean to tell me that we weren't even planned to be up here when we went? Not at all. If you allow me to continue, I will go on with the information that I have gleaned through my database. The computer responded. Realizing I was being rude, I replied. I'm sorry. By all means, go right ahead. By the way, what do I call you? Calling you computer just seems so cold. I am known as Judith. You may call me that if you wish, the computer responded. Amused, I said. Okay then, Judith, please continue. This information is from what was called NASA.gov on the so-called Internet. The first missions to take astronauts to the moon were called the Apollo program. In 1961, President John F. Kennedy challenged the nation to land astronauts on the moon by the end of the decade. NASA met that challenge with this program, landing the first man on the moon on July 20, 1969. That program was named after a god of Greek mythology, Apollo. A little history for you. Artemis was Apollo's twin sister and the goddess of the moon in Greek mythology. 
When they land, Artemis astronauts stood where no human has ever done so before, the moon's south pole. I hate to interrupt you, sir, but the mess hall is bringing your food to you now. I look towards the door as I say hurriedly, Yes, yes, I guess I must eat. I truly hate interruptions. Please open the door. I watched as two women promptly walk to my dining room and arrange the dishes on the table along with a plate, cutlery, a water glass, and a coffee cup. The SSGT promptly poured a glass of water and steaming coffee. The other attendant proceeded to get the food uncovered. After they were finished, they stepped back to allow me to sit down at the table. The SSGT proceeded to grab a meat platter to serve me. I stopped her before she could go any further, saying, SGT, you and the airmen are dismissed. I can serve myself tonight, and from now on, unless there are dignitaries visiting. The attendant put the platter down and signaled for the other to follow her back to the mess hall. I was interrupted in my thoughts by the computer. Sir, would you like me to continue? Absent-mindedly, I said, Please do. Hang on, let me change to this side of the table so that I can watch the visuals you are displaying while I eat. Quickly changing seats, I got myself ready to endure the briefing. I'm ready, Judith. Judith continued with her narrative. NASA's new rocket was the Space Launch System SLS. It was the most powerful rocket ever in the world. SLS would carry the Orion spacecraft with up to four astronauts riding aboard to lunar orbit. Then the astronauts docked Orion at a small spaceship called the Gateway. This is where astronauts would prepare for missions to the moon and beyond. The crew took trips from the Gateway to the lunar surface in a new human landing system, and then returned to the Gateway. When their work was finished, the crew returned to Earth aboard Orion. I interrupted by saying, they were quite antiquated. Very interesting history, though, to know that this was what they had to go through to get us up here. What a show in diligence and commitment. Sorry, I interrupted. Uh, keep going. The Artemis Three crew visited the moon's south pole, Judith continued. On the moon, the astronauts searched for water, diligently studied to discover its mysteries. Learning how to live and work on the surface of another celestial body where astronauts are just three days from home, and testing the technologies needed for sending astronauts on missions to Mars, which could take up to three years round trip. Thinking out loud, I asked Judith, Are you sure this is factual information? It seems like they would have done so much more. Uh, please, though, continue. The first missions to the moon required NASA to develop new technology. Many of those had been made into items people use on Earth in their everyday lives. NASA was working with businesses and companies to create new technology for the Artemis missions. Making new technology helped businesses grow and create more jobs on Earth. Other nations worked with NASA as partners, just as partners worked together on the International Space Station. They worked on Artemis to bring the world together for a mission to Earth's nearest neighbor in space, the moon, your home. Judith, when do they start building the domes here on the moon? Or should I say, when do they finish that? To answer that, the year was 2024. Wait a minute, let me get this straight. Everything was accelerated to get us here? Yes, there was a man named Elon Musk who wanted humans inhabiting the moon and Mars. He actually projected that by the year 2024, 
these habitations would be in place with his company facilitating the growth on both planets. This is where Hope Colony comes into the picture. Judith paused for a few seconds, then said, The government, however, took over his plans to accelerate the build due to the climate change and global warming. They didn't have a choice if humankind was to survive the coming cataclysm. The Chinese and the Russians also had a planned moon base, but they never got a large enough staff or population to be viable. During this time frame, the Russians were in war against their neighboring country, the Ukraine, which daunted their project as well. I am so glad we are past wars in our situation. I have read about the atrocities committed against humans by other humans. It's absolutely barbaric. Now, um, in 2024, did our government send us to the moon? I mean, they had to have built the first domes that my ancestors lived in, right? I asked. Judith continued the history lesson. In October 24, humans were sent up with all the provisions for 100 years, or so they thought. They forgot that the human species has a tendency to procreate, which shortened the species' food down to 50 years. That brings us to the hydroponics that is still working today, the AI continued. Not only did the ancestors get this running, but they improved it to what the space has today. They learned how to germinate different plant species together to give them the missing nutrients they would need in the future. Talking to myself out loud. So that's where that weird looking carrot apple thing comes from. And that uh, banana peanut dish? I grimaced from the memory of the taste. Computer, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Judith, please continue. The one piece that everyone forgets about is the animals that were sent up to keep the proteins intact. So that the animals would not mutate, the husbandry habitats were raised like giant ferris wheels and spun to achieve half-earth gravity. This kept the animals from mutating, or at least not as bad. The early settlers were able to preserve their organ structures so they wouldn't have monsters coming out of the poor animals. You know, Judith, you're really starting to gross me out. I have a very vivid picture in my mind of all that you were telling me. I'm not sure I'll be able to get much sleep after this briefing, I said in disgust. The computer responded with what I picked up as distress in their voice. I didn't mean to upset you in any way, but there is really no nice way to put any of this. I quickly responded. Oh no, you didn't really upset me. Just that my mind is in that visualization mode of goats, sheep, pigs, and chickens living upside down and raising a stink in the process. I kept thinking the computer really did have a personal touch. Odd. In half-gravity, even humans would not mutate. For the first 60 years, each member of the colony was forced to cycle through one year every other year of animal husbandry duty, Judith continued. By enforcing this policy, it kept that knowledge from being lost down the line in future generations. I grimaced as I asked the next question. So what about the humans and their bodies? Judith continued with her narrative. Keep in mind that bone density loss did take place after the first 12 months, becoming acute after the first 15 months. After that point, it would have been like having osteoporosis. That is why your race could not go back to Earth. Their bones would become honeycombed and hollow like a bird's. The loss of the marrow drastically changes the need for solid food intake. They would have had to eat at least 5,000 calories a day. This, in most people, would make an epidemic of obesity even worse than that it was in 2024. For humans on the moon, though, that is the norm. <laughs> enough, enough. 
I yelled out in a laugh. My head is spinning. I don't even know if I can process what I have learned before I go to bed. Why don't we continue this tomorrow evening after I get off shift, all right? Well, Daniel, that is a good suggestion. Surprised by the response, I asked the computer. Did you just call me Daniel? Cheeky computer, I thought. Yes, I did. I called your father Daniel. Is that a problem? No, not really. It just took me by surprise. Well, that was a new experience. I would never have been so bold, I thought to myself. Uh, could you please turn up the heat? I told the computer and headed to my bedroom. Thanks for listening to Tides of Change, a tale from the Moonlight's Hope Colony trilogy. Music is from David Thessalian Studios and used with license to this podcast. This has been a presentation of Kirby Project Productions. For more information about the book and the author, visit www.kirby-projects.com. That was Dave Carter, voiceover artist, reading this chapter. And now, a word from our sponsors. We'll see you next time, Space Chimps.